It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Perino and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. Welcome to our podcast today. Uh, my name is Laura Perino. I'm with Debbie Kiever, and we are really excited that you've chosen to join us for our podcast today as we continue to discuss the word transition. I am sure you are aware, just like we are, that we are experiencing a great deal of transition in our lives today. And in the beginning of this podcast adventure, when Debbie and I first started out on this new journey, we were really discussing transitions that we have been through personally and the takeaways that we have learned from our time together as we've walked this road of transition the past year. It's interesting how God can put us on a path of speaking or sharing about something we've walked only to find out that it's actually for the purpose of a story that is still being written. And so while the transition that I was able to share about in June of becoming a mom uh, from being a mom has been miraculous and been wonderful, and I am exhausted today, Debbie, because I have been helping take care of my little itty-bitty baby granddaughter, but I'm super excited about what God is transitioning me in there. It is also interesting that we find ourselves in a time as a community, as a church, as a world, as a country, where we are experiencing significant transition. What started out as transitioning into quarantine and now transitioning out of quarantine has been met by the unrest, the civil unrest, and the issue of racism in our country that is being exposed in a way it has not been before. And we find ourselves transitioning during this time as well. As Debbie and I have shared with each other, we feel and we see God transitioning the church and transitioning each of us to a place of greater understanding. And that is what we're going to talk about today. We're excited to share a couple of personal stories and what God has been speaking to our hearts to bring clarity to issues that are around us that we have not experienced and we don't understand, but that we are willing and desiring to learn more about. Laurie, it's so true. I feel like God allows us to walk through things because both you and I, it becomes a platform for teaching. Mm-hmm. And this season of transition, I don't know about everybody else who's listening to us today, but I know that God is doing some serious uh, surgery uh, on the in. So the ways I, the way I believe, the way I think, the way I process what I'm walking through, and I'm finding that there's always areas that need to change to become more Christ-like. There's areas that have not been healthy. Uh, I just didn't know about them. And as I was sharing with somebody earlier today, I'm a, I'm a mover shaker. And so when I become aware of an issue, I'm real quick to let's rally the troops and let's go plow through and deal with this. And so as God has been exposing things in my inner man, um, my tendency is one to let's rally the troops and go deal with it. And God instead is saying, sit, sit still. I need to do some heart work on you. And, and so for me, I've been making an analogy that it's like having cataract surgery. I have not had mm-hmm. it. Uh, my dad did. My dad had cataract surgery twice, uh, each eye. And cataracts are fascinating. They are, it's like a film that develops on your lens, on your eye, and it causes your vision to become very, very cloudy. Um, when that happens, you are at a greater risk of falling. You are at a greater risk, actually, of depression, 
the wow. less that you can see. Wow. And depth perception is really messed up from cataracts. And, and what's a beautiful thing about that surgery is folks realize that their vision has become impaired mm, and they go mm. and they have the surgery and cataracts come off and it's like a whole new world. Everything is brighter. Everything is sharper. Wow. And I, I feel like God has been doing spiritual cataract surgery on me. Wow. Um, over the last just a couple weeks, he has been making my eyes see with a clear vision that I have to tell you I've not seen ever. Wow. And as a result, I've wanted to suddenly move and shake and grab people together and, and say, these are issues. We need to deal with them. And he's like, sit still because there's a lot of healing that needs to take place. And, and just because you are suddenly seen, it doesn't mean that it's brand new to everybody else. You know, specifically for me, he's been pulling back these lens of not really understanding mm -hmm. the the racial pain, that mm -hmm. the hurt that's taken place. Um, among many race, races, but particularly with African Americans. And it, it hasn't been from a lack of caring. I just honestly did not see the impact because I haven't walked down that, down that road before. And so now that I'm seeing things with fresh view, a clearer view, it's almost like God's rising up this desire. We got to do something. That's and right. So that's why you and I decided to to share in this podcast what journey is he walking us through um, because we're really processing it while we're sharing this. Debbie, I'm finding uh, that the Lord is using everyday moments in my life to bring greater clarity to me about some of the issues that are at hand and my lack of understanding uh, at what is happening. And just the other day, uh, Emily and I went shopping. You talk about transition, right? It was our first time. That's a big deal. It was back in the store. And I remember we went in really timidly and uh, came out feeling much more confident. But when I dropped her off, I, I came home and, and it wasn't five minutes later when Emily called me just wailing um, that she had significant uh, burn damage on her hand. She had cooked something and she calls it pregnancy brain, um, but she says that she put the oven mitt on her right hand and used her left hand to take a skillet out of the oven. And through a 12-hour a period of blood-curdling screams and cries, I counted 14 second-degree blisters on her hand. I mean, it was a significant, significant, significant wound. And I remember saying to her halfway through, if we can just get home, I can help you in a different way. So we got in the car, and we had the windows rolled down. And I live in a, a tourist town, and there were quite a few people. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon, quite a few people on the street as we drove through the public square. And Emily was screaming and crying at the top of her lungs in deep, deep pain as her nerves were still on fire in her hand. And as we drove through that circle, I saw so many people stop what they were doing, turn around to look and see where all of the screaming was coming from. And as we drove by, they turned back around to what they were doing. And I really reflected on it later, and I thought, isn't that interesting? Because the reality is, when the people saw us drive by and heard the blood-curdling screams, to them, it looked like a mother and her daughter in a car with their windows down, and who knows what was wrong with this girl in the passenger seat, right? 
You couldn't see on her exterior. You couldn't see that there was something uh, that she was physically going through. You had no idea what the issue was. All that you could hear were the sounds of pain and distress and crying and weeping. They had no idea. Nobody outside of the car had any idea that her hand was covered with second-degree blisters. It spoke to me, hours later, mind you, (laughs) because at that moment, the only thing that was speaking to me was Emily's screams. But it's just so interesting how that started speaking to me that people around the car, people not in the car, did not know what the source of the the cries that were coming from inside of, of her were all about. There were wounds that they couldn't see, right? Wounds that were hidden and hadn't been exposed yet. Or maybe they had been exposed and the people around couldn't see them or didn't see them. And it was just interesting to me how that really is a picture of my transition into desiring a greater understanding of where our country is and where my friends are in this uh, reality that we find ourselves in. Because too many times, and I'm going to use the car analogy, the car goes down the street, right? And people are crying and people are hurting and people are expressing sounds of, of, of deep, deep grief. And how many times have I not been in the car and been the one walking down the street and turned to see the cries, maybe said something to try to pacify the cry, and yet not been aware of how deeply impacted and affected somebody passing me by has really been. So it opened my eyes to see that I don't always see the wounds, and when there is a a response of pain, not to just uh, judge it for what it seems to look like and move on. I think my eyes have been very opened. You know, I don't want to be that person on the side of the road that watches the person in pain go by, think I figured out why they're experiencing what they're experiencing and not do anything or speak anything when someone else is in pain around me, even if I don't understand the source or I haven't walked it myself. You know, it's so interesting how what you're sharing has is complementing what God has been doing in my life. I haven't heard the screams of everybody because some people are really good at hiding it. Mm-hmm. Some people are just really good at on the outside looking like they're okay. And so I didn't know that I should ask. I didn't know that I should look deeper. And so from the on the outside, there were a lot of friends that have just been good friends of mine for decades but I'm learning now have actually been like just have deep heart wounds that I just totally missed. Maybe they were like the silent scream or mm-hmm. maybe they were making some comments that I should have heard. I should have read into what they were saying. And again, like I said, it was spiritual cataracts. I just missed it. But I, God uses my feet. He used Emily's hand to speak yes. to you. Yes. He used my feet. And <laughs> yes. At, Really, at the end of the day, we're all part of the body of Christ. That's right. So here are different right. body parts that are speaking to us. But that's right. For for listeners who have never gotten to view my feet, um, I am a very active person, and I usually wear sneakers um, because both of my feet have so many physical issues that <laughs> make uh, just doing normal tasks really difficult. I have two bunions that have just grown and grown and grown over the years. I finally got them stabilized, but I wear inside my sneakers two orthotics 
that are handmade for me, specialty ones. And then I have on both second toes, uh, ligaments underneath have broken over the years because of the structural problems that I have in my feet. And my second toes actually cross over toes on, like lay on top of toes that are next to them. It's like a double-decker bus yes. in my feet. And so that makes it really hard to find shoes that are comfortable. So I'll actually not only have my orthotics in both feet, but I have these two splints that I wear on my toes to hold them in place. And then I have a hammer toe on one foot. Mm. So when you look at my feet, people are saying, have said to me, wow, do they hurt? And the the answer at this point would be they do if I don't wear all this hardware, mm. right, in my shoes, my feet hurt. But they're hidden inside my sneakers, and I'm not hiding them from the world because I'm embarrassed by them. They are so outrageous looking. I just keep my toenails painted and call it a day. <laughs> but I wear the sneakers primarily because I'm most comfortable in that kind of shoe mm-hmm. wear. So why do I bring that up? Because some people, the pain that they're experiencing, the areas of brokenness, woundings, mm-hmm. uh, dysfunction, mm-hmm. are actually hidden pretty well by a facade, like a mask mm-hmm. that they wear for the rest of the world to say that's a really strong person. They don't have any issues. Mm-hmm. And so God is just, he continues to speak through my feet. But it's about learning to walk in someone else's shoes. Unless you are walking in my sneakers with all of the problems that my feet uh, experience, you really don't understand what it feels like to walk in my shoes. And that point is what God has been honing in on me. You cannot say to somebody else, I know exactly how you feel. That's right. That is such an insult because you you can't. You 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 have not walked exactly where they've gone. You've That's not right. had words shouted at you. That's right. You've not had people turn you aside or you know how they've made you feel and you just can't you can't project your opinion on somebody else because you've not walked in their shoes. That's right. And so I think it's really important that whether it's what 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 path are you walking, what shoes are you wearing or what car that's right you're Absolutely. in that's going by. Absolutely. It's, it's a very different perspective. I mean for you, think about it, Laura. You were driving Emily in the car. Emily's perception of what was going on is different than yours. It's different yes. than the person on the street who yes. probably was very moved. And, and if you had stopped and said, get me help, they would have Absolutely. helped. Absolutely. Absolutely. I bet somebody might have even said, this makes me uncomfortable. I'm just going to stand back. Absolutely. So there's a lot of different perspectives. Exactly. I think that was another interesting thing, too, because as I was driving the car, I was literally shaking. And when I finally got to my destination, I was in tears. Because someone I loved in the car with me was in such distress, and there was literally nothing I could do in order to stop it, except to get her to a place where she could come to help. But yeah, absolutely. It really is all about um, our perspective, too, and understanding that until we are the one in the car, until we are the one in the shoes, we are not going to understand and we are not going to feel it. And everybody feels things in a different way. Even when this story happened in my life with the car, I was, re- I was reflecting back to other stories in my life where I was in the car in different events, different circumstances in my life, and how deeply in pain I was. And yet as I drive by, either like you said, I hide things or I don't share them or people have no idea what's going on around me. Um, it really is perspective. But I think what's happening right now, if we're going to use the car analogy, is the doors are being opened 
Yes. Right? The doors to the car are being opened. The car is slowing down, right? All I wanted to do was get through that public square and get home, and I was going as fast as I could within the speed limit in order to get her to a place of safety. But what's happening now is the car is slowing down. People, when they hear the screams, like me, like you, we are starting to say, that's not a scream I've heard before, or I have heard that scream before, and I never recognized it, and I'm going to respond now. I'm going to go see what's happening on the inside of that car. So I am grateful for the fact that I feel in my car, right, however we're going to say that, in my life, um, I am seeing doors opened, and I am asking God, what is the right response from me? What is the right way for me to um, get in there? and show love and, and, and all those things that are in my heart, you know, thinking about sisters and brothers in the Lord, you know, you just said it, we're the body of Christ. And when one part of the body, the hand, the foot, whatever it might be, is hurting, we are all going to be um, in a place that we were not, you know, desiring to be. So we need to stay healthy, all of us. It really struck me too with Emily. When I went to, um, when I went to go see her and, and help her soak her hand for the first three hours at her house, what struck me was um, she had her hand under the running water. Her hand was the only thing on her body that was in pain. But because her hand was stuck under the running water, she couldn't move, right? Her feet couldn't go anywhere because her hand was damaged. Her hand was hurting. She couldn't sit down. She couldn't because her hand wouldn't be able to reach the water. Her back started to hurt so bad. I mean, she's pregnant a few days away from having a baby. And here she is standing at the sink, leaning over. Now her back's starting to hurt. So this injury that was happening in her hand that was so significant, but a small part, right, compared to the rest of us, her injury that was happening in this hand was actually impacting. Her mind was reeling in all of these downward motions as she got more and more distressed because of the pain. Do you see where I'm going? It's mm-hmm. just that one injury in one part of our body, man, it does affect and impact every single part of us. It paralyzes us in order to do the things that we're called to do. And so as the church or as a country or as a community, man, if one part of the body is hurting, it impacts all of us. And we are not going to be able to go out and fulfill the Great Commission, you know, go and tell, go and and baptize, go and teach, because one part is hurting and the rest of us become incapacitated until we get in there and start figuring out what God has called us to do in order to bring about that healing to get us to the place uh, where we need to be. It's It's like the unveiling of my feet. People have one impression of me. And, but they wonder why won't I run with them? Why won't mm. I jump? Why do I not dance on the dance floor that much? Yeah, yeah, and then I yeah. take off my shoes, and there's greater understanding. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you, Laura. I believe that God is removing those spiritual cataracts. He's opening the car doors. He's mm-hmm. taking off the sneakers, and mm-hmm. he is revealing what's really there. Yes. And not only is he revealing sin with our fresh understanding, but he's also revealing that we have not been compassionate yes. where we needed to be because we really just did not know That's right. what was going on. And so now we're at a place as a nation all the way down to my own heart where God is saying, what are you going to do with what I'm showing you mm-hmm. about how the gospel is a gospel of reconciliation, both Absolutely. With man with God and man with man? 
Absolutely. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 in the message is what we're going to be reading from today. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to be stopping along the way because even as I was reading it myself, I was circling words and underlining passages and phrases because exactly what you said, we are called to be ministers of reconciliation. And when we are working to reconcile ourselves with our brothers and sisters and other brothers and sisters with each other, we are going to be leading people to that reconciliation with God. So let's listen. Um, I just I just love this. Deb, you know that reading scripture aloud is one of my favorite things to do in the whole wide world. Yep, so I'm excited <laughs> to I'm excited to do that today. So it says in Second Corinthians five, because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> We looked at the Messiah that way once, and we got it all wrong, as you know. Now, I'm just going to stop there for one quick second, because to think of a group of people, a whole entire population of people in Jerusalem at that time, looking at the Messiah and making a judgment call on the Messiah, a man acquainted with sorrows came to do the miraculous in and among them and give himself as a sacrifice, and yet they missed it. And they judged him for what they thought he was supposed to be or what he wasn't according to their standards. Man, that shows that if we can have God in the flesh living among us and we judge it wrong, we are certainly going to be people who can be prone to judging other people or ourselves incorrectly too. I don't want to be that, right? I want to learn from their mistakes. Think about it. The Pharisees, they got it wrong and they were the experts, Yes. They were the ones who knew what the Messiah should look like. Yes. And they still missed it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe that's us too, right? We we should we should know, but we miss it. And so now we we desire to be ministers of reconciliation. Um it, it continues to say, We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. <laughs> we may have gotten it wrong once, but we are turned around and we are not looking at him that, that way anymore. Um it says, now we look inside. Inside. And what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. I get excited about that too, because even in confessing or speaking what these cataracts have been on our eyes what these closed doors may have been, or what my uh, perspective may have been as I'm driving by people who are hurting, I confess it. I repent, and then I, I, I'm brand new, right? I have a new perspective, and I go out to do uh, new things in this new life that is coming into me. So I'm so grateful for that, that he gives us a fresh start. Every time that we come to a place of repentance, he gives us a fresh start. So even in this, in this topic we're talking about today, I am so grateful to God, and I'm grateful to my brothers and sisters for a fresh start, right? Mercies are new every morning. It, it goes on here, Lauren. Let's carry on with this. Look at it. All this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Amen. It is not possible to really, truly reconcile relationships on this horizontal, human-to-human level without a vertical, without us Absolutely. being reconciled. Uh, to the to God, I mean that's where the healing really takes place. He pours into us His love Absolutely. and His kindness and His uh, chance to start over. You know His compassion, and then we're like a conduit. We just flow; it flows Absolutely. out of us to other people. If we just try to do it 
like person to person, there's a certain point where you just run out of gas. Like that's right. You've had it with that person. And God's saying, you'll always have to run to me as the source. That's right. And as we look back to what he's done for us and he daily pours that ability to love, it it, it doesn't run out because he is, he has no limits. That's right. He has no end of resources for what he wants to pour into our lives. First things first, right? That's right. That's (laughs) right. It says, God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. Again, he went there first and then he allows us to take it and, and give it to our, our neighbor. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. He's, <laughs> yes. he's doing things right now. That's Not right. Not just what he did thousands of years ago. That's right. But what he's doing now. We are Christ's representatives. So Amen. Listen, to, listen to this next powerful phrase. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and to enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He is already friends with you. Let me Amen. just go back to that one scripture. Because if I know you, you have something to say about it. <laughs> God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences. It doesn't mean to not have differences. But when you're going to, what are you going to focus on? Mm-hmm. It's And then it says, and enter into God's work of making things right between them he has created us to be different and he has not asked us Mm -hmm. to be the same Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. but whether but we need to put aside the things that are uh that create us to be unique you know our personality styles our opinions and let's come to a common ground ultimately of that relationship with him and how to have peacefulness in your relationships with your brothers and sisters yeah, you know, I think it's interesting because as you were reading that, God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences. That word persuade, and I would really wish that I had looked that up in the original language because I'm sure it's a very powerful word. But when you persuade somebody, um, if we were just to come out and have a, a discussion like, uh, well, this is A and this is B, and you need to see A the, the B way, you need to change your perspective on this. That's one thing, but I think one of the ways that God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences is by sharing our story on how God God has persuaded us to drop our differences, right? You sharing your story about the cataracts, me sharing my um, just thought or or eye-opening experience with Emily in this car, I think that our testimonies... And how we change as individuals from glory to glory is really what is going to be the persuasive thing that changes hearts. When you see a, a life changed or a light bulb go on in somebody's, in somebody's mind, I think it's just um, illuminating to those around us. And I also would, I would want to say here that one experience in the car that day I know has not taken me to the level of glory that I need to be in with this discussion and this conversation. It is an ongoing conversation that has to be had, right? So I do believe that God has sparked something in me, sparked something in you, started something, and we are eager to know more. Just wanted to quickly also share uh, one more part about Emily's story because I I find this final part of it to be so healing for some of the things that are going on around us. Um, 
the next day when Emily woke up in the morning, uh, she FaceTimed me right away. And she said, because we imagined that she was going to have bandages on her hands when her baby was born four days later, and that she wasn't going to be able to care for the baby, and she was going to have these second-degree burns. And that was a, a real source of hurt for her. Um, when we were going through this whole thing, like, why now? Why four days before the baby's born? But the day after all of these burns happened on her hand, she called, she FaceTimed me and she, she said, look at my hand. There are no blisters on my hand at all. And she was doing, like, using her hand. She was picking things up. She was holding her coffee. Never in my mind did I imagine that a hand that I saw the night before, and I wish I had taken a picture of it, but I felt like that would be a little insensitive at the time, but never did I imagine that that hand would be holding a cup of coffee fully functional and fully healed in 12 hours. Never. I've had burns on my body. Never have I seen that happen before. So immediately I started saying, well, this is a miracle. Praise God. You know, I'm so grateful for this. And I do believe that God did heal her. I was talking to a friend afterwards, and, and they said to me, what, wouldn't it be interesting if because Emily is pregnant and there is her body is used to creating life, right, and there are cells that are creating life, wouldn't it be interesting if her body is just so uh, into this process of creating life that the cells in her body healed in her hands because her body is so used to creating life, like life on the inside of her could be leading to healing on the outside. That goes to where we are today too, Debbie, because we have a source of life on the inside. And what the source of life on the inside is, when it comes out, we are going to be a fully healed, fully functioning group church of individuals who are pursuing the Lord together in unity. There's just something that comes out of this story, too, that says when you have life on the inside, life is going to spring up on the outside, right? So that kind of leads me to say, oh, what, is, what, what are the steps that we have learned, that we see, that would be next on our journey? You know, how could we encourage other people on this journey with us to pursue this next? Like, how do we take that life that's on the inside of us and spring it out? What are some uh, concrete things that we can do in order to uh, really continue this healing that we've, we've seen begin in us? I think it's got to start with conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've not been in that car with somebody who's screaming or you've not walked the, the road that someone else has walked and you don't understand what has happened in your life, how do you feel? How do you cope? What is frustrating? Where have you seen victories? Where have you felt defeated? It's taking a focus off of you, taking the focus off of your right of being right or being heard or being prioritized and shifting it mm. to somebody else. That's what Jesus did. That's I mean, right. he shifted from being in the pre- in the you know Shekinah glory of heaven and he stripped that away and he came down into a body of a man. Yep. He he literally stepped into our shoes. Yes. So that so that we would know that he understands everything that we feel. So I think it starts with asking the Holy Spirit again, let him be the driver, let him be the one to kind of point the direction who to talk to and say, "Father, would you highlight for me who in my friend group or who in, that you want to bring into my world, do you want me to humbly come before them and say, 
I would really appreciate it if you would take some time and share with me your perspective. And this may be, you know, this is kind of humbling when it's someone you may have known for decades, mm. but because you've not known that was something you didn't know, they're kind of like, I've been saying this for 10 years, Debbie, mm-hmm. you didn't hear me then. Yes, and I'm so sorry I didn't hear you then. I'm hearing you now. And then you go and you just be a very safe place to listen. And remember, it's not your perspective. It's theirs. Mm -hmm. So don't get defensive. Don't get Mm -hmm. your nose in a, you know, out of joint when you hear things that probably are very painful to hear. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's part of learning. It's part of starting to empathize is to really know the inside track of Mm -hmm. what's going on in somebody else's life. So I would say you start with asking the Holy Spirit, where do I start having conversations? Absolutely. And I think the conversation, uh, similar to what I alluded to earlier, is not just a one-time sit-down over coffee, right? It's a beginning conversation that is going to go on for a long time. (laughs) Probably, you know, for the rest of the relationship because we are constantly learning. And new things will happen in our world or in our lives where we will really... um, come to a place where things still, our backstory still is going to impact and influence it. So to see how people respond or react, um, how we grow together in these conversations is going to be important. I really think uh, with listening and speaking in these conversations, a key is, and I I say this as a a former teacher, um, being teachable, Mm -hmm. right? Having that spirit of humility that says, I don't know it all. I don't want to even pretend that I know it all and that I will be a a good listener. (laughs) I will be teachable and I I really respect what you have to say. There's a spirit of humility that has to come with it. You referenced Jesus coming um, to walk among us. What did Jesus do every single day? He had conversation. He spoke to people where they were. Of course, as God, he already knew their mind. He already knew what they were thinking and the cries of their heart. But he cared enough to sit down with somebody under a tree, to talk to masses who were hungry. He had conversations with people all day long, but his most crucial and critical conversation was the one that he had ongoing with his father. And so as we have that conversation with God going all the time, he's going to illuminate with our humility, right, who we're to speak to and and what to do. And I think when you come from that perspective, it it really is key. I know that God is speaking to me specifically to have conversation with my friends who are African-American. I mean, this is the eye-opener that God has Mm. been doing for me personally. And, you know, I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, and hopefully this will be um, verified when I talk with them. But it takes a while to build trust. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't been that friend that they've needed for years. Not because I didn't care. I just really didn't see it. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. But it it brings a level. You get hurt enough, there is a level of distrust. Mm-hmm. And so to come and have some coffee, even you know, have a number of conversations, to give space for it's going to take time for me to become a safe place mm-hmm. for other people. And so not to, um, from my perspective, feel like, well, I know myself. You should trust me. Uh, they really don't. You know, they mm-hmm. haven't seen me in this environment of really asking the questions mm-hmm. and, and hearing the hard. Mm-hmm. And so to give it time 
to extend a lot of grace while they are hopefully learning to build a level of confidence mm-hmm. and trust. I am not going to get it right all the That's time. Right. I That's mean, right. I don't get anything right all the time. Right. So <laughs> I'm not going to get this right all the time. But but I feel like uh, there is a change in direction, mm-hmm. a huge shift in prioritizing, trying to ask the question, hey, I'm looking at your feet. Tell me where you've been and yeah. how your feet yeah. feel. Yeah. So I, I think those three ideas, the conversations, knowing how to listen. Yes. Putting yourself in that position and then the right heart. Yes. Have being teachable and being humble. I think those are three great takeaways as we wrap up this podcast. They really um, are. For how we want to apply this. They absolutely were. You know, thinking about having conversations uh, with our brothers and sisters is interesting. It may look like a conversation to us. You know, it may look like a conversation to other people when they walk by and they see us talking together. But I love taking my perspective or my eyes off of what does it look like in the natural and think what does that look like in the supernatural. Right. And while the world may see or we may see with our eyes two people sitting down to discuss and share um, in a conversation, in the heavenly places, right, Deb, it looks very different. It looks like a victory in the heavenlies. Absolutely. You know, it looks like the defeat of the enemy in a place where he is trying to divide the body, cut off the hand, cut off the foot. Instead, it looks like just a conversation from God's perspective, an internal perspective in the heavenlies. It looks like the kingdom of God coming together and advancing Mm-hmm. into the work and the call that he has for us to do. When we are not unified, right, it's destructive. But when we are unified and we are living according to biblical principles as a body of Christ, we are building each other up. And God sees it from a, a completely different perspective, and the kingdom of God is just growing and advancing. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, it looks great here. A conversation between two people looks beautiful here. But it is even that much more spectacular to see what's happening in heavenly places as the kingdom of God grows through these conversations with a bunch of teachable, humble men and women who all just really want God um, and his kingdom first above all else. It's like dropping that pebble in a lake. There is a Mm. ripple effect. And so each conversation that is bathed in love and grace and saying, I care more about your perspective and your feelings than I'm that I'm choosing to care about my own at the moment. It's like throwing pebbles in this lake. And and our prayer is that it ripples out, it affects it's like a dominoes, right? However you want to make an analogy, but it just goes out and out and out. And it does make a difference from an eternal perspective. So what a great time of sharing. I'm so so glad that um, our listeners were able to join us today. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to continue on in July with another series, part of the series of transition. In fact, today was about our view, having a clear view. Next week, we're going to be dealing with part of transition is how you deal with the very strong emotion of fear. That's right. So that's right. Well, very good. And we thank you for joining us today. It really has been a joy to have these conversations and we are thankful that you're with us. Uh, Check in with us next time. We look forward to hearing from you. Uh, Submit prayer requests. If you have prayer requests, we would love to pray for you. We're grateful for what God is doing to advance his kingdom. So this week, um, 
pray about those conversations and let's see where the Lord uh, leads each one of us. So have a good week. We look forward to connecting with you again and God bless you. Bye-bye everybody. We believe that God will use what we share to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember you were created for more.